Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. My heroes haven't done anything amazing. I think of like Brene Brown's one of my heroes. When I was little, Kathy Freeman was one of my heroes. Um, and looking back, I'm like, why, why do these people inspire me? They haven't done something. And thinking about it, it's their character that inspires me um, to be a better person. And when I think of a hero, I think of someone that I look up to that, wants, that makes me want to be a better person. So that's relevant to the hero I've chosen to speak about today. So I believe that a hero needs to have a good character in order to do good acts, big acts of bravery, because what good are the big acts without an outstanding character behind them? So it's not necessarily a big act of bravery or um, a bold, spectacular thing, although they're amazing, yes. But for me, a hero is someone who carries themselves well through life, through fame, through riches, through possessions, through popularity, through hardships, through the ups and downs of life, people who get back up after they fall down or make a mistake, or people that just simply have a go at something that scares them. Those are heroes to me, and it's fitting that heroes come in all shapes and sizes because I want to share a little story about Xander. He's five, and he is, if you know him, he's not the most bold or confident little boy and I put him in swimming lessons and I was like, this is not probably going to end well. <laughs> but I thought we should give it a try because he probably should learn to swim. He loves the water. And so I put him in swimming lessons and he didn't really want to go the first week. He wasn't mad about it, but when he was getting mad at me, he'd be like, I won't go to swimming lessons if you talk to me like that. And I'm like, <laughs> you will go to swimming lessons. <laughs> so... Yes, we, we had in the first week, you know, a few disagreements about swimming lessons. And I said, we'll, we'll just have a go, we'll just try it and we'll see if you really like it and you can go back next week. And he did it and he had a go at everything. All the other kids in his little group had been going to swimming lessons for years and years and knew exactly what to do, but Xander had no idea what to do. But he had a go at everything and that to me, I was just so proud of him as his mum. And every single week he goes and he loves it and... He's not the most coordinated, but he has a go. And for me, it's just, you know, that's, that's a little hero. Like, he is having to go at something that scares him. And, yeah, that's inspiring. <laughs> so the hero I chose to speak about today is King Solomon. So I believe he was a hero in the acts that he did. Yes, he built a temple and all the other things that he did. All these take courage and perseverance and determination um, just to name a few, but I want to break down some of his character qualities today that I believe are inspiring and attainable for each one of us to grow in. This is what I do when I read the Bible. I find, what can I grow in? Old and New Testament. So I'm sharing with you. <laughs> what can we grow in together? So I'll just um, give you a brief history about Solomon, if you don't know him. So Solomon is the son of King David. Eventually he became king when... David passed away. He was known as the wisest person to ever live apart from Jesus. 
with his wisdom, he had the ability to pronounce sound judgment and preside over disputes. He was a builder, he was a poet, he was very wealthy and very powerful. He had great influence and people would travel from all over the world to come and hear his wisdom, hear him speak. He had influence in pagan communities um, as well as establishing trade and commerce within Israel and other countries. He's also an author. He wrote Song of Songs, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Eventually, Solomon made some terrible choices, choosing hundreds of concubines and wives, building false idols and giving money to pagan um, temples, just to name a few of his bad choices. But we all make bad choices at times, and just because we make a bad choice doesn't mean we dismiss the good things about someone's life. We'll touch more on this later. So, the three character traits that I want to talk on today is wisdom, excellence, and integrity. So, we'll first look into wisdom. If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 3, verses 5, we've got a little bit of scripture to read. So, when you're ready. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? I think I would be floored if God ever... I wouldn't know, I'd panic. (laughs) And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. When he says this here, he's referring to experience. He has experience of that as that of a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? This speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So Solomon asks for a hearing ear and an understanding heart, which God interpreted as wisdom, and that pleased God. So God also added to Solomon's life riches and honour. So when we pursue wisdom, abundance is added. We don't pursue the fruit of wisdom. We don't pursue the the what comes next after wisdom. We pursue wisdom and the rest follows. Proverbs 8 verse 9 says, My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with it. 
So I was talking with Rob this week and his definition of wisdom, which I really liked, is wisdom is applied understanding, knowledge, discernment, common sense and insight plus experience. Bill Johnson puts it this way. I love Bill Johnson. Wisdom is divine reason. It is a gift that makes us effective. Wisdom is prophetic in nature. When you look at the walls, all you see is paint and the pretty pretty things on the walls. But wisdom sees what holds the walls up, the steel beams, the gyprock, I don't really know building, but all the things behind the paint and the pretty things. <laughs> so when we're talking about divine wisdom, we're talking about the ability to perceive with God's eye and be involved in divine reasoning to not only what exists, but what the solution and the answer is for that particular dilemma. So when the Lord summons us into wisdom, he's actually summoning us into a lifestyle where life works. So wisdom is a gift of the Spirit that we can ask God for and that we can pursue and grow in. And because wisdom is prophetic in nature, it is a gift that we have access to that's necessary to partner with God to see and hear what he's doing and what he's saying. And then we can incorporate that into our everyday lives for the benefit of us, yes, and for the benefit of those around us. It's, to, it's up to us as individuals to pursue the gift of wisdom. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Proverbs 2 verse 2 to 6. Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There's so many more verses on wisdom that you can read about in your own time because we don't have time for that today. <laughs> so we ask for wisdom because we, are, we acknowledge that the creator of the universe is actually a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> it is vital that we partner with God when seeking wisdom because he knows what he's doing. So when we partner with God... Seeking his wisdom, it will probably surprise you how different the outcome of a situation would be. So God makes wisdom available to every single person who, who wants it. So if you want wisdom, cry out for wisdom. So it's being released today. If you want wisdom today, it's being released. All you have to say is, God, I want wisdom more than anything. There we go then there's an action that's required that follows to continue to grow in it, to continue to pursue wisdom every day and to continue to pursue understanding every day. So when we ask for wisdom, it's generally given to us in the form of a seed. He doesn't give us the oak tree. So we need to grow our character. We need to water the seed, as Alex was saying earlier. And we can do this by just a few things reading our Bible, spending time with God and feeding ourselves on what God is saying. These are just a few of the simple things that you can do each day to grow in wisdom.
So, second trait, excellence. This is probably my favourite. One of well, this is this is a favourite. <laughs> Solomon was given specific instructions from God on the temple's construction, which you can read about in One Kings six. We'll now just skip to 1 Kings 6, verse 37 to 38, because that will take a long time to read that. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. So basically, this verse is saying it took 11 years in total to build the temple, four years of planning, seven years of building. So it was four years before the foundation was laid, before the building took place. So if you decide to read 1 Kings 6, it might take you a few minutes, but actually keep in mind it took seven years. (laughs) The temple was built with incredible precision to exact standards. It described, the Bible describes the care and attention to detail that went into the making of this temple. It describes the building and the furnishings and it defines magnificence and sets a new standard for excellence. Gold, silver and other exquisite metals and materials were lavished into this temple and the furnishings. Nothing was taken out and nothing was overlooked. It was built from the very best of everything. I used to just skip over those because I'm like, details, details. But now (laughs) you read it and you can actually see the amount of effort that went into building these. So from Solomon's example, we can learn how important it is that we always give God our best. For every project we undertake, we give God our best in everything we do. Why? he's worthy because he gave us his best when he sent his son Jesus some 1,000 years later to die on the cross releasing the Holy Spirit who's available for us today that's why we give God our best 1 Kings 10 verse 1 to 9 now when the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord she came to test him with hard questions She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he'd built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Basically, she was gobsmacked. (laughs) I couldn't think of a better word. (laughs) Then she said to the king, it was a true report in which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes and indeed the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. 
Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So the queen of Sheba was a very wealthy woman, which we can see from everything that she bought to give Solomon. And she was also a pagan, so she was a non-believer. Yet she acknowledged the Lord was the source of Solomon's blessings and excellence. Which leads me to question, do people around us, in what we're doing, can, can they acknowledge that the Lord is the source of our excellence? There's a solid chance that they won't say it the way she said it. But do they praise the way you work? The way you hold yourself in stressful situations? The way you impact their life? It could be an employer, a non-believing friend, or a non-believing family member. Charles Spurgeon says, The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. The world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. So you carry the excellence of Jesus within you to display to those around you. Further than that, can we build something for 11 years, keeping excellence and wisdom at the forefront of the project and not lose the endurance and the momentum? Perhaps we're not building a temple, but is there something else in our lives that we're building and preparing for that's taking time? 11 years is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. It would be very easy after one year of planning to call it quits. But heroes don't quit when the going gets tough or when it gets boring or when they lose interest. They keep going. They persevere to see a beautiful outcome and the reward of years and years of hard labour. Some things take time. Some things take planning and organisation. Ah. <laughs> Excellence takes organisation. It takes administration. There is no way that this job could have been done without planning and organising. <laughs> 1 Kings 4 is all about the administration of Solomon's work in the lead up to this. 1 Kings 5 is all about Solomon preparing to build the temple. And 1 Kings 6 is all about Solomon building the temple. 11 years over three chapters. So obviously these were important factors when building the temple, planning and organising. Alex, can you build a house without planning and organising? Well. Not very well. Jay, can you write a book without planning and organising? <laughs> Did you do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Where's my business owners here? Damien, can you own a business without planning and organising or run a business? A successful business? <laughs> Have I got any teachers in here? Can you, can you run a classroom without planning and organising? <laughs> Can you run busy bugs without planning and organising? <laughs> I knew that'd be something. <laughs> Who does food shopping here? Can you do that without planning and organising? <laughs> it gets very expensive if you don't. <laughs> I can guarantee in almost everything you do requires some level of planning and organising. 
Some people dismiss the administration work because it's boring. But I think it's an... <laughs> I thought of Jake when I thought of this, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. He's not here. I can, I can say that. <laughs> but I think that it's... <laughs> yeah, he's watching. Um, but I think it's an essential element to excellence, planning and organising. No matter how simple the task is or the, the thing that we're doing, the project, we can always include God in our administration work because not only is he master builder, he's also master planner and master organiser. So to grow in excellence, my suggestion is start simple with planning and organising along with attention to detail. I'm a planner. I plan everything. I've got lists everywhere. So this, I agree with this. <laughs> which is why I'm preaching this, obviously. <laughs> for some people, administration is a gift, yes, and for some people, it's a weakness, but I think it's still a responsibility that we all have. Yeah. So if this is an area of weakness or an area that you want to grow in, find someone who is strong in the gift to help you because your wisdom will help you find the right people. Solomon didn't do this project alone. He had a huge team of people to help carry out this vision and plan of God. So in all things we do, mundane and all, we can do with excellence so that the source of our excellence is acknowledged. And the final characteristic that I believe is vital to being a hero is integrity. 1 Kings 9, verse 1 to 9. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication. So basically Solomon's just dedicated the temple um, that he's finished building to God. So this is God's response. I've heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I've consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised your father, as promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I'll cut off Israel from the land which I've given them. And this house which I've consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. That's a bit sad, really. But it talks about the importance of integrity. So the definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or the state of being whole and undivided. Simply put, we cannot have a divided heart when it comes to our relationship with God. This is why God is to come first in all we do. For the people that are married here, who remembers their wedding day? 
Yeah? I'd like to suggest that the wedding day, whilst it's very important, very significant, is not the most important day. It's the days in between. It's the end. Those are the important days. The journey that you go through together in your ups and downs. The same is with God. Who remembers the day they become saved? Whilst this is very significant and very important, it's not the most important day. It's the way we end and the journey in between. And the journey towards the grand ending begins with an integral heart towards God through the journey, regardless. Regardless of what we go through while here on earth. Because life's not easy. (laughs) And that's the time when it's important to stay connected to God. So will our journey end with each of us old and grey, hearts still sold out for God, worshipping with our hands raised, declaring his faithfulness over the journey that we've walked, hardships and all? This made me think of my grandpa. On Tuesday this week, it was the one-year anniversary of him graduating to heaven. And I would definitely say that integrity was one of his strong traits. He had some extremely rough, tough seasons, but he remained integral to God through his whole journey. He remained faithful, and that is how he ended. He passed away on a Sunday night. He'd been to church in the morning with Grandma worshipping, declaring God's faithfulness. They went to bed that night, did their devotions together, and half an hour later he passed away. And I think that's a pretty remarkable way, really, to continually declare God's faithfulness to the very end. And Solomon, I can't talk about that, I'll keep crying. (laughs) Solomon constantly had things and projects on the go. He was leading a pretty busy life. As I mentioned earlier, all the things that he was doing, all the things he'd accomplished and achieved. But when we're busy, that is the time that we need to be intentional to spend time with God. When we think back over our history with God, has our heart become divided when we've stopped spending time with him? We don't give him the time because he needs it, although he really loves it. We give him the time because we need it, because it keeps us connected to him, our life source, and it keeps our heart right. As I mentioned earlier, Solomon ended up making some terrible choices. I think we've all made some bad choices in our lives. And his heart became divided. That's when his heart became divided between what the world was offering and what God was offering. The world was offering him all the same things as what we're offered today, which is funny. Well, it's not funny. But it's, it's, yeah, interesting. The world was offering Solomon... Success, accomplishments, money, sex, lust, recognition. These are all the things we're offered today. He was the wisest man to ever live apart from Jesus. He had everything a man could ever want. But it still made him make terrible choices. So we too can be too focused on possessions or accomplishments or our reputation But it's in all of these rewards that we get 
I'll call them rewards, that we must remember to keep our priority on Jesus, on God, not on what we have or our reputation or our accomplishments. We need to make him first in our lives and keep our hearts right towards him because no amount of gold, silver or achievements can take place of this truth. Solomon did eventually repent from his sin and came back to God, serving only God. So it did end, it did end well. But by this point, unfortunately, there were still consequences because of his actions on the nation, which we read about earlier. The kingdom was already divided by the time Solomon came back to God, and unfortunately, Solomon's sin not only affected himself, but also the entire nation of Israel and the people who lived there at the time and for years to come. Solomon was the last king to lead a united Israel. But God, but God, still used it some 1,000 years later when Jesus came from the line of David, which is where Solomon came from, when God became a man in Jesus Christ to reverse the curse of sin and generations and to redeem all of mankind which is what we have access to today. So if and when we mess up, we have permission to leave at the foot of the cross because God can still use us. We aren't dismissed. We can still be a hero because we have Jesus, the ultimate hero, and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So where Solomon was sinful, Jesus remained sinless. Where Solomon was imperfect, Jesus is perfect. Where Solomon failed as king, Jesus is the great king. Where Solomon was unfaithful, Jesus was faithful. Where we are sinful, Jesus is sinless. Where we are imperfect, Jesus is perfect. Where we fail, Jesus never fails. When we are unfaithful, Jesus remains faithful. So if we give Jesus our life, he'll give us a legacy. So two parts to close out my message today, and you can choose which is relevant for your journey at this point. Not all things about Solomon's life are lovely, but he was only human just like we all are, and we all make mistakes. But thankfully... We serve a redeeming God whose grace and love are unmatched. Solomon had it all and yet failed in so many ways, but he found restoration in the arms of God. And an image that I had this week was of two people hugging. So if you picture hugging your husband or a friend, you're holding each other tightly. And if one of you lets go and the other one's still holding on, you've still got that embrace. So if you let go of your embrace to God, he's still got his embrace on you. He's still got his arms wrapped around you, waiting for you to wrap your arms around him again. He never lets go of his embrace. So today, if you feel like your heart's a little bit divided or completely divided, you can find restoration in the arms of God today. Secondly, I want to end with the story of a hero so there's a story of an Australian man. You probably haven't heard of him. His name was Don Ritchie. He was also known as the Angel of the Gap. 
He lived near a cliff face in Sydney where many people would try and commit suicide. He lived there for over 50 years and he was known for saving close to 500 lives because he talked them out of jumping off the cliff. And he just simply invited them in for a cup of tea and offered to talk to them. So my challenge today is, what does it mean for you to make a difference in your community? How can you be a hero in your community or in someone else's life? Does it necessarily mean the town that you live in, but it could mean within your circle of friends or at work? Every single person can be a hero by simply helping another person, whether they're in need or not. So how can you be a hero in someone else's life this week or next week or the week after? And we can break it down even more. How can you make someone smile this week? Or how can you brighten someone else's day? It doesn't take grand gestures to make someone smile or to be a hero in someone else's world. It's a matter of doing all things with wisdom, excellence and integrity and simply having a go. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at basitechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.